Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the NFL Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast for our Scares and Dares episode. We'll recover our favorite scare of the week and then provide the NFL bets we dare to make. My name is Akun Wong and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me is my co-host for Scares and Dares, senior staff writer. Hey everyone. How are you doing, Joanne? All right, so today, uh, of course, we'll be discussing our favorite scare of the week, and I'm sure everyone's thinking, where the heck have you guys been? Uh, around, around. <laughs> watching horror movies, of course, watching horror movies, getting, the, getting some more to talk about. Don't worry, guys, we're thinking about you. But today, we'll be discussing our new scare of the week, the uh, 2016 movie, Terrifier, and then we'll be giving you our NFL Week 10 top bets that we dare to make. Uh, so the movie isn't new, but there is a sequel, Terrifier 2, that's fairly new, and there'll be Terrifier 3 coming out next year. So we'll start your Terrifier first, and then we'll go to Terrifier 2, and we'll see where we go from there. So with that said, let's get this rolling. All right, let's get started with our Scare of the Week, the 2016 movie, Terrifier, uh, directed by Damien Leone, produced by Damien Leone, George Stuber, and Phil Falcone. And written by Damien Leone. It is a brisk one hour and 25 minutes long and is available on Amazon Prime. Uh, So check it out. It's really good stuff. And we're going to talk about it today. And as per usual, we'll talk a little bit about a background on the movie. And then we'll give you some thoughts on what we think about it, followed by our scare meter and our star rating out of four. So let's get started. So first of all, Terrifier, to give you a little bit of background, is the first full-length movie about Art the Clown, who was introduced in a 2013 anthology film, All Hallows' Eve. Interestingly, this movie actually compiled several short films that the writer-director, Damien Leone, had already made. In particular, one called Ninth Circle and the other called Terrifier. Um, As you might have guessed, the short film Terrifier was the first uh, full story about Art the Clown. In essence, All Hallows' Eve was generally about two kids, Tia and Timmy, receiving an unmarked VHS tape in their trick-or-treat bag on Halloween. Don't you hate it when that happens? And the two kids convince their babysitter, Sarah, unwisely to allow them to watch the tape. Of course they do. Which contains three stories, each of which features Art the Clown, the final story of which was the short film Terrifier, which focused on Art the Clown himself and how he basically killed everyone at a gas station and then chased down a poor patron of the gas station who presumably torture and kill her as well. So although the movie got mixed reviews, Art the Clown became a little bit of a cult favorite character, and thus Damien Leone made a full-length film, Terrifier, uh, not to be confused with the short film, Terrifier, to showcase the character as well as his work of practical effects. Apparently, that was one of the things that he really focused on was using those practical effects. So now, turning to the movie Terrifier from 2016, uh, it's tough to discuss the plot without giving everything away, so I'll just intro the premise, give you a little bit of the start of the movie, And then we'll kind of go from there. So the movie starts with a talk show host, Monica Brown, interviewing a severely disfigured woman who apparently was the sole survivor of a massacre at the hands of Art the Clown that took place the previous Halloween. Now, Brown mentions that the body of Art the Clown mysteriously disappeared from the morgue, but the woman insists she saw him die. And then we cut away to a man destroying the TV in which the interview is playing, who is later revealed to be Art the Clown himself. He then sets out from his room with a bag of various weapons and knives and runs into two inebriated women at a pizzeria 
which ultimately leads Art presumably slashing their tires and requiring them to call for one of their sisters, Vicky, to come pick them up. Now, what ensues next is a lot of chasing and killing, with Vicky essentially becoming the final girl. So I'll stop there so as to pro- not to provide any spoilers and ask you, Joanne, what did you think about this movie, Terrifier? Well, first of all, I don't know if you could actually give a spoiler for this movie because even <laughs> if I were to tell you exactly what happened, you need to see it for yourself. I just don't think it's like, very visual. words yeah. do it justice. Sure. So, but with that said... It was, I have to say, a really good new um, uh, horror movie. Okay. I mean, it's really rare to find something that you could go back to, like, you know, Michael Myers, mm-hmm. you know, Freddy Krueger, yep. and all of those were set in the 80s. Right, the and, 80s slasher movie. Yes, and it's it's been a long time where you could find a real villain. And I think in this day and age, there is no boundaries like there were in the 80s. True. So... They could do just so much more. Right. So visually, I mean, there's a lot of gore in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. And then actually, to your point, the 80s were full of these slasher movies. And today, we just see reboots, right? I mean, yes. rebooted Halloween, yes. rebooted Freddy Which Krueger, rebooted Jason. Which aren't all that good, to be honest. Voorhees. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Not all of them are that good. But we see almost every horror movie from the 80s, every all slasher movies, right. rebooted. We don't have any seen the original um, new, new I, intellectual property, so to speak. Right. You know, no, no new characters like villains right like horror killers right and so so one might point to it but it also was rebooted what right, right? that was also in the i want to say the 90s it yes was in the, 90s, been the 90s, early and then, 90s and then rebooted recently right. but like that was also the same thing and interestingly also a clown yes but very different in many ways very different the very clown different. here also reader and and I, and I have to say that you know one of the things i like most and, and we're going to get to what we like most but yeah. one of the things that that some of the parts of the movie that I thought were best were what the director really wanted to showcase. And that's the character art, the clown. And then of course the practical gore effects. And we'll take them one at a time, but in many ways, you know, to your, uh, to what you said there, I thought this film was a little bit of an homage to 80s slasher films using the practical effects for killings, perhaps similar to what have been, what would have been used in the eighties without any CGI, if they could have been as brutal as the types of killings we saw in things like Hostel and Saw. I definitely agree. I think like if the 80s and Hostel and Saw were, of course, more recent, yeah. they weren't in the 80s. Right. But if the 80s, like Freddy Krueger and, uh, you know, Jason Voorhees, if they could have been more brutal, I think this is what they would have done. Because yeah. they wouldn't have had CGI. They wouldn't have had all those graphics. They would have had to use the kind of uh, pra- practical effects. Yep. that that they used it with Terrifier. Well, it's interesting because they could have done that when they rebooted all those slasher films from the 80s, but they didn't. Well, no, because I think when they rebooted it, they wanted to show how good it could be, like the special yeah, effects. Yeah, like realistic. Yeah, right? like, I, and I think that's why they didn't want, they probably, you know, steered away from it. But really, you know, it's, yes, it looks better, but like, you, but it was the same old story. There right. was... There was nothing really that new about it, and you really can't beat the original version. Right, and I think that, so this not only what I think did the 80s slasher film and one-upped it by making it, by bringing it to the next level, to the level that you saw in Hostel and Saw, but I also think that the movie really set itself apart um, based on the actor David Howard Thornton, who played Art the Clown, who really acts up the role of a quote-unquote fun-loving but psychopathic mime artist, so to speak, 
such that, as pointed out by some critics out there, such as Anton Biddle from Sight and Sound, his killings involved an unnerving combination, this is something he said, an unnerving combination of predatory sadism and popular performance. It's almost like putting them at odds with each other. And I, I couldn't agree more of that. In many ways, this really accentuates that paradox of horror movies, which is, as we've discussed before, are meant to be horrible and scary, yet also entertaining. Yes. And so yeah. I, think, I think they did a great job of that. And obviously, the fact that Art the Clown is a mime and does not speak and does all sorts of crazy things, and he's really having fun with the role, I think it definitely sets it apart from other types of slashers. Yeah. I think that really, I think, heightened this film because mm. Art the Clown had no dialogue. Yes, right? absolutely. Because it's like... It had to be all expression. Right. You don't know what he sounds like. You don't know what his voice sounds like. Does he have an accent? Yeah, right. What nationality is he? <laughs> right. Is he British? <laughs> right. You just don't know any of that. And like you said, it was all just kind of like his facial expressions. Right. And... Props. Yeah, and, and I think they did a great job with that. And of course, the, the practical effects are the other part of this, and I think we were talking about it before. Uh, some of it can be seen as unrealistic, but in many ways, it is a callback to using practical effects. And I did read about what they did in some of the scenes in the newer movies uh, for Terrifier, and it's a lot of work. It's a heck of a lot oh, of work. It's definitely a lot of work. I mean, it's mu- it's probably a lot more work than like doing it all on a computer. Yeah. Because the setup is that much more. Right. And and the fact that you need so many people, I mean, particularly for to make things look realistic, to to actually move things that are practical uh, inanimate objects to make them feel like actual people. So that's certainly very impressive what he was able to done with that. Although, as you mentioned. Sometimes you you look at it and you're like, well, that's fake. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, just, the, that's the unfortunate part of it. Yeah, there's a lot of corn syrup right over there. That's what I see. But but that being said, uh, certainly a really good job. And on a shoestring budget, only thirty five thousand dollars. Yeah. So I, I I think that's what really made it work, though. I mean, when people have the excuse blowout budget, sometimes it's like looks great, but there's so little. I want to say substance to it. Sure. And I think uh, Terrifier, even though they had such a small budget. They were able to kind of put so much story into it, even though Arthur Clown said nothing. Right, right. It's just, it's just and really... if you watch it, it, there really is no real story except someone goes around killing a bunch of people. Well, I mean, yes, true. Although there is a little bit of a, a reveal at the end of the movie, I guess, if you want to say. So there is some story elements there. You don't really know anything about Arctic Clown. No, not not about Arctic Clown, right. but but like about in, like in um uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, you they told you a little about Freddy Krueger, right? You they um Friday Thirteenth, they told you about like Jason Michael Myers. Oh, Jason Voorhees. Yeah. And Michael Myers on Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. I mean, like you you got the the background story of why they became who they became. Right. We don't know anything about Arthur Clown. But we Clown. don't know anything about Arthur Clown. Right. Right. Aside from the fact that he seems to be unkillable. But right. that being said. All right. So what did you like most about this movie and what did you like least? So the thing I liked most about the movie was Arthur Clown. Of course. I thought like it was a great symbol of horror mm-hmm. in today's, in today. Like right. it, like there hasn't been anything like it, like we said, in such a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I always say like, it, and this movie kind of really puts it, uh, you know, puts it to to the big screen is you should never trust a clown. I yeah, mean, right, you don't know fair. who the hell is behind that makeup. No. That stupid grin. You yep. never know what's behind that. Some of them and, don't even grin. Some of them are like unhappy. That's like really, that's really Well, no, but they saw that <laughs> smile on no, their No, I'm face. just saying, it's they have like this frown. It's, so, like, it's like, it's crazy. So Arthur Clown, without any dialogue, he really has been framed. Yep. He's a distinct 
smile, the right. unnerving facial features and his makeup. It brings that nightmare to life, which I think I see every time I see a clown. And, a li- and, his, and his soundless laugh. He does that soundless laugh. And, know, so. and in every way, he, he is a performer. Like, yeah. if you watch the movie, he'll take out props. Right. Right? And, and the thing is, is that, like, that's supposed to put us at ease. And when you go to the circus or you well, see a clown, that's what they do. Yeah. But I always say, like, they're just not trustworthy. And, and, and that doesn't give anything away. But to, to your point, you know, at one point where he's chasing our final girl, he actually goes after her with a horn. A little horn. It's like right, a the, beeping, the, little beeping right. horn, like from a bike, you know. And you're like, well, what is that? Um, but, because he's trying to put her at ease. Like, I'm friendly. I, like, I'm not going to hurt you. you Come see, on. No, I don't think he puts anybody at ease. He's pretty frightening. Okay, what did you like least about the movie? So, I think you put, <clears throat> you put it, I mean, the thing I liked least is that is those special effects when, you know, the victims are, like, screaming and when they're being brutally killed. Yeah. I didn't say it. Like, there is no way that you could still be awake. Right. When that is happening, because you would just faint of shock. Yeah, well, this is reality. But, of course, we've seen in Hostel and Saw the same thing, right? All the types of torture they go through there, they would have passed out there, too. Right, and I always say it. I was like, there's no way. There's, I mean, okay, maybe somebody could take that kind of torture and stay awake. But, you know, I, I'm gonna, and I'm going to give this away. In, the, in Terrifier... There is a there is a victim that gets like sawed in half. Right by a hacksaw. And, and she still screams until he gets to her face. Yeah, that seems unlikely. Yeah, that, <laughs> that just can't happen. Yeah, but hey, that's what the so that's what the movie's all about. All right, let's go ahead and get to the scare meter here. Out of ten, ten being I poop my pants, and one being My Little Pony. Wait, you didn't do yours. Well, I I, oh. I agree with you. I think. Oh, that, you're gonna do. What, oh, you agree with me. What I like what I like most is David Howard Horton. Thornton. I think he really made it playing Arthur Clown. But what, what you didn't like. And what I liked least actually was there was uh, very little story. <laughs> there was a uh, lack, lack of lack know, of development in terms of the characters. The thing is, I didn't really mind it, like the lack of story. Well, if you're gonna make a franchise out of it, you kind of need some story. Well, this is what I think. The story doesn't always have to come in the first or second movie. You could slowly develop that story. Yeah, but there was like zero development. I mean, he basically, I mean, all we know is that he's unkillable. That's but, basically all we know. But that's, and, and, that's enough. Like, and, and it's then a he likes, movie. Right. And, he, and, and of course, and this doesn't give anything away, but he likes to uh, uh, move his, uh, spread his species all over bathrooms, um, apparently. So yeah. That's also, that's also in All Hallows Eve. So he does that again in Terrifier at the very beginning. So that, that's all we know about him, though. Yeah. <laughs> he's not hygienic, and he's not killable. Yeah. Um, all right. So give us your uh, your scarometer. Again, 10 being I poop my pants, one being My Little Pony. What do you got here? You know, I was really conflicted on this one because there is a really – there's a clown in this movie, and it well, really – like, clowns really unnerve me. Yeah, so they unnerve I, a lot of people. Yeah, so I don't know – you know, but like, so I gave this one an eight. Oh, that's, pretty, yeah. that's probably your highest scare movie Right, yet. because one, there's a clown, and two, there's a lot, like, Art the Clown uses a lot of nines. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. And as you know, I hate, I hate, I hate when knives go against the flesh. You know yeah. why? Because we do it every single time. Yeah, but. We do it to ourselves. But, just, but yet you still watch it. I watch it. <laughs> I love time, it. I watch so. it and I love it. But right. the fact that. Clowns are miserably scary, yeah. and that I cut myself with knives all the time. Right, it, it is just like oh, sure. I could, I could just like oh my god, no, not another knife scene. Okay, so there you go. So you got, a, you got, you got an an eight, the highest scare meter rating yeah, you've ever given. I'm so. going to give it a seven, and I, I agree with you on many levels there. I think that that 
Art the Clown is uh, particularly unnerving with his kind of happy, chipper demeanor cut in, in, uh, in shown in contrast in many ways to his really brutal torture of the right. victim. And relentless. Like, nothing. He is relentless. Right. I mean, like, there is no sympathy for anybody. No, no. He thinks, he obviously feels it's a game yeah. or it's just pure entertainment to him as it's well. It's entertainment to him because he could be covered in blood and still smiling. And it's interesting because it's almost like he feeds off it. And maybe they'll build on that a little bit um, when they enter into the next part of the franchise. Okay, let's give us your, your star rating now out of four. What do you give it? I give it a 3.5. Woo! That might yeah. be the highest star rating I you've did. given a, a movie well, too. Like we said, it's been a long time since we've seen a real villain. Okay. Um, for horror movies mm-hmm. that really works. And I think Art the Clown really works. I think they scored really big with it. Okay. And not that I suggest, like, you know, young kids see Art the, this movie yeah, because it's de- probably de- very inappropriate. <laughs> but, I mean, like, if you if you saw this movie, you probably wouldn't trust anyone in a clown face. Well, uh, particularly if you are fans of horror movies, you should watch it. But be, be warned that if you're not a fan of things like Hostel or Saw, right. then there you is, probably will not there like There's a lot of like body horror. There's a lot of gore. Well, well definitely gore. Yeah. You know, and it's like very blatant. And like we said, because, you know, they do use... Um, Practical effects. Right. Uh, you know, you know that it's not real, but they flash on it. It has a different type of realism to it, though, because yes. it's real liquid right yeah. it's not not cgi right way. so i mean it's a it's a mix, I all, right. It's a mix. all right i give it a 2.5 out of, oh, out of four yeah I, I mean i enjoyed the movie i thought it was great it's definitely worth watching but i i do think that the story was very underdeveloped and they don't really know anything about it it's, i just need to have some narrative you here do. you do in order to make me i mean it's a great display i mean obviously it's a terrific showcase for Arthur clown the character it's a terrific showcase for the practical effects that damian leone is known for it's not much of a story. I think this is the difference between us because when there are very artsy horror movies, you love them. Well, only be- because there is you there's feel a, narrative. a very substantive story behind it. Well, whereas I don't need that substantive story because the story in it, the horror is the story. In but, but I don't need it to be substantive. I just need a story. <laughs> there well, is no story here. I know. Uh, I think there is. Well, I mean, as you as they build into it, and as we co- we'll cover in Terrifier too, I think I think the story does expand a little bit when you have more context. But that being said, okay, so you give it eight out of ten in the scare meter. Uh, you give it a three point five stars. I, I give it a seven out of ten on the scare meter and two point five stars. That, my friends, is Terrifier, the twenty sixteen movie. Um, which you can find on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. All right. So let's go ahead and go ahead and hit the boxing bell on that and move on to our dares of the week. So these are our prop bets for week 10 that we dare to make. So let's go ahead and get started with you first. What's your first prop bet that you dare to make, Joanne? So I picked uh, Will Levis. Levis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I get potato, it. potato. Levi's. Will Levi's, perhaps even. Um, uh, the quarterback for uh, the Tennessee Titans. Yes. And he is propped at 221.5, and I picked the over. On passing yards. On passing yards. Okay. Yes. On passing over yards. 22.5 passing yeah. yards for Will Levis. Okay. Yeah. So the Buccaneers secondary is has been awful this season. They've given up the fifth most passing yards in the NFL. And just last week, if you missed it, the Buccaneers allowed Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz, and Tank Dell, all of the Houston, Texas, to all have over 100 receiving yards. Right. So that's not just 100 
combined from the three players, right. that is over 100 for each player. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. So, and C.J. Stroud, they allowed him to have 470 passing yards and five touchdowns. Right, a record not only for for rookies, but also only the sixth player in the history of the NFL to have over 450 passing yards, five touchdowns, and no interceptions. So I'm not saying that the Buccaneers will allow this again. Um, they probably are going to try everything not to. Right. But there's only been two games uh, where the quarterback has passed for under 222 yards, mm-hmm. and that's against the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields in Week 2, mm-hmm. and Derek Carr, New Orleans Saints, in Week 4. Okay. So that's 211 for Justin Fields and 127 for Derek Carr. Okay. So out of the ten, out of the nine weeks, there's only been two. Right. So we're saying that the uh, Buccaneers secondary is not great. Is not great. Yep. So the Buccaneers. So I I said that we'll leave it. We'll do an over for this because right. one, um, corner uh, the cornerback Jamel Dean is out on concussion protocol this week. Okay. So they said that he probably won't be playing. Okay. So now that leaves. Um, so that's an already bad secondary. Yeah, it's, it's, it leaves only one. And so unfortunately, you know, um, for, uh, for, for Will Levis. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. Traylon Burks will also be out on concussion protocol, leaving DeAndre Hopkins and Kyle Phillips, you know, who did pretty well last week. Right. If you don't know who he is, but you know, against the Steelers, he was targeted, you know, five times, which was behind DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. And then, you know, you also have, like, Chris Moore and, and like, uh, Nick, Nick Westbrook-Akini. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's just been doing nothing this year, which is, yeah. Well, but, well Nick Westbrook-Akini hasn't been so bad. I mean, he's just been kind of inconsistent. So, so, um, so like, what what Will Leavitt needs to do uh, for – this week's game is like he really I hope can you know has practiced with DeAndre Hopkins sure. because I mean the Hopkins caught four out of eleven targets I yeah. mean that is they a better connection small, although yeah. the fact of the matter is that he was very effective the week before that uh, with DeAndre Hopkins he's basically responsible for reinvigorating DeAndre Hopkins uh, career at this point so so I mean like we don't know what was going on there but I mean they need definitely need a connection okay. So the Tennessee Titans, they won, you know, they haven't won a road game since, and this is a road game. Right. Um, against, um, against, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield. Right. And, um, and so, like, what we need to see is that, like, you know, that, well, what we're going to see, hopefully, is that since the last two games, uh, Will Levis has done over 221 passing yards. Okay. I think, I don't know if a win is possible, but I think he will definitely beat the 221. Okay, so we got uh, 221.5 passing yards, and you got the over for Will Levis on mm-hmm. 221.5 passing yards. Okay, great. Um, and, of course, the, uh, the number one person I have is another quarterback. It's Mac Jones. His prop bet is for over under 221.5 passing yards versus the Indianapolis Colts. I have the under for Mac Jones on 221.5 passing yards this week. So under 221.5 passing yards. So Jones has averaged just 206.8 passing yards per game this season, and he's exceeded 221.5 pass yards just once in the last seven games. So Kendrick Bourne out for the season. I think it's going to be tough 
for Jones to get much going through the air, even against the mostly depleted Commanders defense in Week 9. They just traded away their two best players in Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Jones just mustered 220 passing yards on a dismal 54.6% completion percentage on his way to a QBR of just 29.4. I don't think anything, any of that, or anything at all, improves in Week 10 facing a Colts team that just limited Bryce Young to 173 passing yards and two interceptions and also managed to limit the likes of Trevor Lawrence to 181 passing yards and Lamar Jackson to just 202 passing yards. I don't think Mac Jones has a chance of going over 221.5 passing yards this weekend. So take the under on 221.5. Poor Mac Jones. Yeah, poor Mac Jones. Oh, not that poor. <laughs> so this your second pick. Um, so my second pick is another quarterback, and it is Baker Bayfield of Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, so uh, the uh, so Will Levis's competition. Competition, yeah. yeah. So I he is slated for two forty two point five and passing yards, and I pick the over. Over, yeah. Okay. I pick the over for both of them. Okay. So uh, the ten, like we were talking about <laughs> the Buccaneers, the Tennessee Titans are the opposite. They have the tenth overall defense in the league mm-hmm. surprising since their record is only three and five so probably right? means their you, offense is not so good right i mean <laughs> but you would still think like but i mean they're 12th overall in pass 13th in the run mayfield has only four games this season that are over 242 yards so you would think i maybe i would pick the under All right but like last week against the Houston Texans was one of the four that he that was over okay 242 and i kind of feel like you know, they're at home. Baker Mayfield is going to feel the pressure right off, even right off like last week's, you know, uh, game. Yeah, sure. He was against like CJ Stroud. Right. And I think like that is going to motivate him to want to win. Okay. And what does that mean? Well, the Houston Texans had a slightly worse pass defense than the Tennessee Titans does right now. Okay. But luckily for Baker Mayfield, their um the Tennessee Titans corner Sean Murphy Bunting yep. um is most likely out with a thumb injury. Okay. That's great for Baker Mayfield because with him out, Trey Avery will likely start. Mm. And the last time Avery started, which was week two mm. against the Los Angeles Chargers, he gave up over a hundred yards and a touchdown with multiple penalties. Okay. So you know right. he's young, he's learning. Right. So this leaves a lot of work for the only starting corner left, right. Kristen Fulton. Right. And Let's be honest, like he didn't start off so well, but he's been really good in the last three games where he's only allowed 47 total yards on his side of the field. Right. But let's be honest, one man can't be everywhere. Yep. So I think Baker Mayfield will be able to exploit the weaker side and reach that 242 passing Particularly yard. with two guys that he can always target in Evans and Godwin. Of course, uh, lots of opportunity there for Baker Mayfield. So you will be taking the over, over. on 242.5 yeah. passing yards for Baker Mayfield. All right. So my second pick is Derek Henry. His, his uh, prop bet is set at 64.5 rush yards. So over under 64.5 rush yards versus Tampa Bay. Buccaneers, the Buccaneers that you're just talking about right yeah, here. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to take the over for Derrick Henry on 64.5 rush yards. Now, Derrick Henry has averaged 75.1 rush yards per game this season, and he's exceeded 64.5 rush yards in uh, four of his last five games. Now, as we talked about, newly anointed quarterback Will Levis will certainly throw more than Ryan Tannehill did uh, because he's just better at it. Yeah. But the Tennessee, but Tennessee is still a run-first team that thrives on ball control. And in they fact, are. Henry exceeded 64.5 rush yards in both games where Will Levis started. 
Now, uh, the Buccaneers allow 92.9 rush yards per game. Henry still has a vast majority of carries of Tennessee. 77% of the running back carries in week nine were his. 88% of the running back carries in week eight were his. And those are the two games he played with Will Levis. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get somewhere in that range, 77 to 88% or more of the running back carries. Now, even 77% of the average rush yards allowed by the Bucs is 71.5, which again is, surprise, surprise, more than 64.5. I don't think there's any way Henry, Henry goes under 64.5. So take the over on 64.5 rush yards for Derrick Henry this week. I am very, I am actually really surprised. I mean, whenever you think Derrick Henry isn't going to perform, he will. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the funny thing is that everyone says he's had a little bit of a slow year, but like I said, he's averaging 75.1 rush yards per game and he's actually catching the ball now. Yes. So I, I know, but like, I think when you talk about Derrick Henry's age and what like the Titans are doing sure. with the team, yeah. you know, I think they're trying to make it a more balanced, like you know, passing and running offense. And, yeah. and Derrick Henry is a running back and the, like the last few years, I mean, he has dominated. Of course. And they were just really basically one on ball control in time yeah, of possession. Definitely. Um, and, and they're not doing that as much anymore, but I, I mean, 64.5 rush yards so low. Yeah. I mean, if, if Levis gets in any kind of trouble, you know Derrick Henry's going to get the ball. So, yep. yeah. And, and if they get out to an early lead at any point in time, oh, it yeah. will definitely be the Derrick Henry show. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us to the end of our show. Let's hit the air horn on the show here. Before we sign off, let me just mention that we're brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code GARBAGETIME at manscaped.com. And we're also brought to you by BetUS. Receive an 125% sportsbook bonus upon initial deposit. Use the link in the podcast uh, description to get this special offer. All right. Well, thank you, Joanne. Give us your social media so people can follow you. It's at Kung Fu for you. Now uh, X, formerly Twitter. <laughs> yes, right. That's right. Don't sue us, uh, Elon. I still call it Twitter. Uh, you can find me on, uh, on X slash Twitter at FB Garbage Time or on Facebook at the Football Garbage Time page. As usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. We hope you enjoy your weekly scare and make some money with our weekly dares. Until next time, enjoy your NFL week. Good luck, everyone.